Hi, Veggie Mates. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matthew Davey, and this is episode 77 of the Veg Talk podcast. In today's episode, we chat with our very first guest from back in 2018, Pat McCauley, Boston based, plant based entrepreneur. Since chatting with Pat, he has opened up a pop up restaurant, broken it down, and hit the funding circuit again for his next venture, Plant Pub. You'll hear all about the hardships and successes along the way, including what it's like to start a restaurant during a global pandemic. Pat is also someone who has always loved a fitness challenge and true to form, 2020 got in the way of his Ironman attempt, but we hear from him on training, nutrition, and what has ultimately been a humbling experience. Now let's get into it. I'll catch you all on the other side to wrap things up. All right, Roland here today with a bloke that we haven't chatted with since episode number one of the podcast. He was kind enough to join us then and uh, the same goes for today. So Pat McCauley, welcome back to the Veg Talk podcast. It's, uh, it's really good to have you on after two years of, of not really... Um, not really catching up a whole lot, right? We've, we've moved states and uh, you've been pretty busy. So we're looking forward to, to hearing all about it. Thank you for coming on, dude. Yeah, man. Good to see you again, as always. And yeah, as we were saying, you know, we, we last saw each other right after we did the first episode. Then you guys traveled the country and, and landed in Portland and we haven't in person seen each other since. So, uh, yeah. So yes. it's, it's, it's been a, uh, it's been a while, but always a pleasure to see you. Yeah. Likewise. It's always good with, we did go on your, on your show. I suppose it was during this COVID Just at the times this, at the right? beginning. So yeah. yeah. So crazy. It had, we've, I mean, we've been talking off the, the air, but just, yeah, what a wild time it's been, but I'm going to try and stay focused on this episode with, <laughs> without going into all the things that we could be chatting about. So firstly, because it's been such a long time and so much has happened in two years before on what we recorded on the last conversation was you were looking to start basically, I suppose, a cafe pub kind of pop up um, in, in Quincy, Massachusetts. It was the first all plant-based beer hall in America called Rewild and it got off the ground and you got it running. But I suppose some unforeseen circumstances, which we're all used to now, um, I suppose changed the trajectory or the time, the lifetime of the, of the project. Um, but I'd really love to hear, you know, how, how it all went now that you've, you've had some time to, to decompress and take it all in and what you've, and what you've learned from that experience, the rewild experience. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. And for those people that don't know really the, the goal of that project and the new project I'm working on now um, is to really make it fun and social and, um, you know, easier for people to eat better for themselves and better for the world, um, eat a hundred percent plant-based. And to me, what's missing on the East coast and specifically in Boston is a place you can gather and have a, you know, quote unquote, normal night out, whether it's with friends or family or whatever, and have kind of a typical restaurant beer hall uh, type experience, but, you know, done so in a conscious way. Um, and certainly nobody um, is doing that around here. And um, that's really where the idea stemmed from, just making it more fun and approachable for everybody. Um, and you don't have to give up your night out with your spouse and you don't have to give up the food you love. You know, we still make burgers and pizzas and all those pub foods that you love. Um, and yeah, but if you're going to have a burger and a beer and watch the game, you know, why not do, uh, you know, do it a way that is, is better for the world. And, um, most of the time a little better for your health. Um, so that started, yeah, right, right. When we were doing this previous episode, when, you know, the idea kind of started and, 
Um, we were able to get a space. We knew it was going to be short term. And really the goal of it was to get into a space, test the concept, you know, see if my plant-based beer hall uh, was a completely horrible idea <laughs> in Boston or see if, you know, people actually enjoyed it um, and, you know, wanted it around. And um, so we thought we were going to be there longer than, um, you know, about four months that we were there. Um, but, you know, I, I really believe everything happens for a reason. And we were there long enough to kind of prove the model and showed really good revenue and, you know, showed that this thing could work. Um, and then from there, we're able to, you know, get some new investors involved and partners involved that um, we can talk about on the plant pub side in a little bit if you want, um, that are just like, I pinch myself that I'm even, you know, connected to them. Um, it's just incredible. Um, but in terms of what I learned, you know, we could spend, we could spend five hours, you know, I, um, I jumped in without ever having, you know, I had been in the, in the, in the brewery business and beer hall business, but um, never full restaurant and really knew nothing about it. And it was really like, like just my passion for the mission and, you know, kind of what we stand for has, is what has been driving me. And I've just, I jumped in knowing nothing and made every possible mistake you could make from, you know, setting the fire alarm off on opening night to, um, everything in between the tap system breaking on opening night. Like I didn't, you know, properly test it or anything. So <laughs> if you can picture opening night, right. The place is packed, which is, which was an awesome sign. Like we really did a good job marketing and people seem to want to check it out. But opening night, I thought my, like, I thought the world was going to fall on me. You know, we had like 300 people in there, you know, packed wall to wall. We have 24, you know, beer taps. We're literally marketed as we're a beer hall and we can't pour any beer. <laughs> so, so I'm like leaving, you know, run into my, my old brewery and I'm grabbing like these old school, like cooler things that you hook up like CO2 to, and then a keg to, and like you can pour through a cooler. It's like what people kind of use at parties and things like that. So I ran back to the brewery, got those. This is all within an hour. I'm setting that up, you know, trying to keep people happy. Um, and then um, from there we were, you know, some people left without getting their food. You know, we were so behind on food, you know, literally hour and a half people hadn't gotten their food. We, you know, around 8.30, there's like a band playing. Atmosphere is good, but the service is horrible. <laughs> We set off the fire alarm from the kitchen. Uh, you know, everybody's out on the street. Like literally everything that could have gone wrong on the first night went wrong. Um, and I'm like super grateful of it because I think like just screwing up, just totally screwing up and like being embarrassed publicly is just like really powerful. And it kind of gives you the confidence to do just about anything because you realize you get through it, you realize people don't really care um, and you kind of move on. And then from there after, again, what was an awesome sold out night that turned into a nightmare, um, you know, over the next few months turned into, you know, what I would consider a great success. And, um, you know, I could go on and on about lessons, but um, yeah, so we, we launched, it went well. Uh, we got kicked out a little bit earlier than planned because our building was, um, due to be torn down again, which we knew and we just wanted to take a really great deal to make sure we didn't sign like a 10 year lease and get into something that, you know, didn't work. So um, that was kind of the rewild experience. And then from there I set out with kind of that proof of concept to go raise money and uh, take it to the next level. Nice dude. Yeah. That's, that's uh that's crazy. Like the, the pre I can't, I'm just imagining like the pressure that you, you must've been feeling on that first night. Um, wow. Like the world truly resting on your shoulders there. It would have been a heavy weight. Uh, how did you kind of immediately bounce back from it? Because, you know, you say that like, it's good to get 
publicly humiliated and it makes you feel like you can do anything. But I've got the feeling that there's some time in between, you know, feeling strong and, um, you know, kind of invincible and, and that actual experience. Like, what did you tell yourself, uh, you know, after that happened and how did you bounce back? Cause I suppose at the end of the day, you had a restaurant to, to run and the doors were going to open again on the next day or the day after. Yeah. I mean, I, I think ultimately that's like what kind of helped me was, you know, get home at 1am, you know, the doors are opening back up at, you know, 8am for, you know, coffee. So I just didn't have much time to like register it. It, it, it was kind of just like, all right, we're into, we're into problem solving mode, you know, where we're opening up for coffee and pastries in the morning, which is easy, all good there. And by noon, I got to have all the tap systems fixed and I got to have, you know, all the stuff in the kitchen that went wrong fixed. And um, yeah, I just didn't like have time to digest it all. So I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm kind of grateful for that and that, you know, it's just the next day, but I think that's, that's kind of ideally like how you deal with any problem. It's just like, all right, you know, tomorrow's a new day and it's just one foot in front of the other. And that's kind of what I did to the, you know, and then by, by the following weekend, you know, we were, we certainly weren't running like a Swiss watch or anything, but you know, we were respectable, you know, and I think a lot of people in that industry understand when they come to a new restaurant, you know, a new brand, um, the first week of operation, you know, there's going to be some hiccups and things that they need to work out. Certainly probably not to the extent that we, uh, had, but, um, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, a couple of weeks later, everybody forgets about it. So. Totally. Totally. And you're serving up tasty food. I mean, we got to try it a couple of times, before we left and yeah, the food was epic. Uh, good beer choices as well. So it was, a, it was a great spot. Um, I was a little bit devastated for the people of the people of Boston that they, they only got it for a short amount of time. Cause I'm sure when it closed, there would have been people kind of itching to, um, you know, to have that as a more permanent space. So once that kind of wound up, um, were you straight into, you know, thinking about the the next phase and how did you go about it? How did you seek about, how did you go about seeking investors and, and pitching them? What happened then? Yeah. So yeah, right away I even started, I kind of started that process before, um, you know, before we closed and I knew, you know, I thought, I thought, you know, we closed in January of 2019. I thought by, March, April, you know, I could be funded in, in running, you know, to the next one. Um, and that is not what happened at all. (laughs) I spent the next, uh, you know, eight to 10 months, literally just trying to raise money, you know, and a situation I've been in before, but this was harder and I think more frustrating Um, and I think restaurants in particular are difficult to raise money for, um, because they're a hard business and, you know, traditionally fail often and things like that. Um, and yeah, it took me a very long time. I, over those eight months met with hundreds of people and banks and, you know, anybody I could get in front of and pitch and, um, Yeah. And then I was literally at a point, this is in August or September of 2019. I was literally at a point, um, where I was, I was actually considering moving on. And I was, I was, I was just at my wits end. I had heard no so many damn times. Um, and I literally texted my girlfriend, Courtney. Um, I was in Boston And I had two meetings that day. Um, The first one that I thought was very promising. And then the second one that I thought was just going to be an introduction. And um, the first one did not go well. And I had about half an hour to kill before the second meeting. And um, I texted Courtney and I was just like, 
I got to walk away. Like I got to, I got to move on. I got to figure out what's next because I just thought it was over. You know, like I, I couldn't, I couldn't get there. I couldn't seem to find the right person. Um, and then, um, the next meeting was with who is my now partner. Um, literally half an hour after I texted that, you know, the first time, like I kind of like let go of things and just kind of went into the meeting, just accepting what happens, what is what happens. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Uh, and yeah, that, that person is, is now my partner and, um, literally one of the biggest and best plant-based investors on the planet. And it's just like, I, yeah, I, I can't, uh, I get emotional talking about it because it's just like, everything happened exactly in hindsight as it was meant to. And all my no's were, were leading to that one yes that needed to, you know, be the right one. And, you know, um, you know, was with the first person that when I said, Hey, let's do a hundred of these. Like, it wasn't like slow down. That's ridiculous. It was absolutely. Why wouldn't you? Um, and it was just like a different level conversation. And, um, yeah, man. So, um, you know, that we, we still weren't kind of out of the woods, you know, I still had to, there was interest, but, um, you know, we still had to put a team together, a new team, um, and, you know, uh, iron out a lot of things. And that's kind of what's happened over the following, uh, six months. And we were close to, um, signing a lease on this huge beer hall in January and, uh, then COVID hit. And thank God uh, we didn't do that because we would have been in trouble. And now uh, since we've been pivoting um, and we're getting ready to launch a delivery takeout uh, spot. Um, and that's kind of what we'll focus on until probably next year when hopefully things are getting back to normal. But um, yeah, it's been a roller coaster, but uh, it's been, it's been a beautiful one, you know? And it's all kind of worked out, I think, as it's meant to. Fascinating story, dude. Yeah. Tru truly fascinating. Like having met you, having known you for a couple of years now, I think, you know, it's funny that you say like, you know, it wraps up in January and it just sounds totally like you thinking like, yep, by March we'll be, we'll be in a good spot, like super eager, um, very confident. And then it doesn't sound a lot like you to be texting Courtney saying like, I think it's time to move on. So it must've, there must've been a lot of no's I think for you to, to feel that way. Man, but I was like, when you think about it, right, I'm full time. Like I'm not getting paid. Like, you know, I'm 24, you know, 24 hours a day. I'm like reaching out to people, you know, and it's like, it's LinkedIn DMS and it's Instagram. And it's like, just anybody I can connect with. And yeah, I mean, you inevitably are going to get like a thousand people saying no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no. I know the feeling. I know the feeling. I've done some sales in my, in my time and um, no is a word you hear more than yes. So, but you, as you said, you're waiting for the right yes. Uh, and yeah, it's, hard, it's hard to see when you're going through it right? It's hard yeah. to view it that way when you're going through it. But if you can have like some understanding of, okay, like that wasn't the right one, um, then it's a little more bearable, you know? Uh, but it's hard to see it that way, um, you know, when things are not going well, you know? Totally. It's, it's very difficult. And then the timing, it, that's just a phenomenal story. That, so this guy is in Boston or was it online? The no, yeah, he, he's in Boston, and to give him give him a shout out, um, his name is uh, Sebastiano Cosia Castiglioni, Castiglioni, um, and he's just an incredible human being, number one, um, but just an incredibly accomplished person, and you know, behind Beyond Meat and um, all of the biggest plant based brands in the world, um, and. Yeah, I had, I had pitched them sort of via email and they had said no initially. Um, and he was going to be in Boston, um, you know, when I, when I met with him. And, you know, I thought we were just going to get together for a coffee and, 
make the connection and probably be like a nice to meet you, but you know, we'll, we'll talk in a few years or something, you know? Um, yeah. And, um, it just clicked right away. You know, he saw my vision. Um, he saw, he, he didn't laugh at the big, the, the largeness of the vision or anything like that. And then from there, he's just steered me in the right direction with, with literally everything from, um, you know, our chef who is like, literally one of the best chefs in the country. Um, you know, she's been like food and wine best chef and like all these crazy awards. And, um, you know, when I initially started out, like I never thought I'd have a team like that. Like I just wasn't thinking on that level. Um, and since, you know, Sebastiano has, has gotten involved, it's just like, that's how he operates on like the utmost of levels. And it, it's really pushed me to just, you know, be, be the best and, you know, get the best team and do everything on a level that is just beyond what you can imagine. And, and that's what, you know, really the goal is now. It's like pub food in Boston that is better than anything like you've literally tasted, you know, but it happens to be plant-based. Um, so it's super exciting. And I just, again, like I pinch myself that uh, we're here now and we've been able to kind of weather the past six months of just kind of figuring out the right path to go. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that is crazy. Like getting, you know, getting the initial partnership with Sebastian. Is it Sebastian or Sebastiano? Sebastiano. Yep. So getting that initial partnership with him and I suppose there's a lot of promise there, right? You're like, holy shit, finally, finally, we've got someone that's uh, behind what we're about. And he's a massive player in the plant-based space. I, I can just like, you must've been positive at that point. And then to go through a rebranding, uh, a restructuring of your team, the positivity must've been through the roof, getting so close to actually having the brick and mortar space to do what your vision for the last three to four years, you know, to, to finally make it come to fruition. And then a global pandemic strikes and how, how the hell have you managed to yeah pivot and keep this thing afloat and, and continue moving forward? Yeah, I think, the big thing is, you know, we have a team now and, you know, this has been my kind of driving force since, you know, I, I came up with this concept and committed to doing this is, you know, we want to make a difference in the world, right? We want to get people plant-based food. We want to get people food that's better for them and, and better for the world, um, you know, in a way that is, that is fun and approachable and, um, and when you're kind of driven by that, like, you know, these obstacles that come in, you just don't tend to let them stop you because it's like, you're so driven by the mission. Uh, you know, if I was opening some, like, I don't know, fried chicken food concept that, you know, didn't really mean anything to me, I was just doing it to you know, make money or just doing it to open up a fried chicken restaurant or something like, I think, you know, I would have quit. Right. But the mission is so strong. And now we have a team that all believes in that mission. And that's kind of what we're here to do. And we're all aligned with that. And, you know, whatever challenge that is thrown at us, we're going to adapt and we're going to pivot and we're going to um, change course to do what we need to do to get people the food we want to get them. And, you know, maybe initially it's not in a huge beer hall with live music and things like that, but it's like, okay, well, we can get a smaller space and we can be a more virtual brand and we can deliver that same food with that same message and that same mission um, in a different way. Um, so I think when you have the mission, the obstacles become less of obstacles and more of you know, let's just change the way how we get to the goal. Yeah, totally. Cause I, I suppose, you know, shoulder to shoulder, wall to wall, 
crammed pubs in Boston watching Cam Newton and the Patriots dominate week one isn't <laughs> actually a thing anymore. So, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, it's not. It's not. Um, I hope it is next year, but we'll see. <laughs> you know? Yeah, definitely. So what does a delivery only concept look like? Because I have worked with restaurants uh, in the past at, uh, at a job I had in Boston. And I did work with a guy who was strictly delivery only. And it was, it was interesting to see how flexible his brand was compared to someone who was in a brick and mortar. And, you know, I don't know how his numbers were and I, I don't know anything behind that. I was helping with, uh, with catering, but he had multiple different brands and he would basically rent space when say a pub is, is not open. He, he would use their kitchen uh, and it was a strictly delivery only brand. So what does your delivery only service look like? Yeah, there's like, there's a big wave right now of, of like ghost kitchens where, you know, you don't have a physical storefront somebody can walk into you know, you pay for a commissary kitchen or you pay for unused kitchen space um, at a way lower rate than if you had your own restaurant, you know, anywhere from a few thousand to, you know, eight, nine thousand dollars a month around here um, instead of 20, 30, 40 grand a month. And yeah, and then it comes down to really how good your online presence is and how good you are at marketing and, you know, um, the different apps you're on, you know, from Grubhub to DoorDash to Uber Eats and all that. Um, and the model really is it, and we'll have, we'll have somewhat of a storefront, like you can walk in to a counter um, and pick up your food to go or order and wait and get your food to go, but there won't be, you know, seating in this first one. Um, but yeah, basically, you know, we're on all the delivery apps. Uh, you can order via, via our website. Um, you can order order delivery via any of the um, apps, or if you want to pick it up, you can order through the site. Um, and that's really the model. And it's a, a much smaller space. You know, it's a a quarter, not even, of the size that we would normally have. Um, and it's just less overhead and less expenses. And um, you know, you're not gonna most of the time you're not gonna do as much revenue as you would with a much bigger space, but, um, you can be more efficient, right? You don't need a front of house staff. You don't need waiters and waitresses. You don't need a lot of the things that you need, uh, with a traditional restaurant and you can be a lot more controlling of your expenses. And, um, if you're good at marketing and you know, you're, you deliver an awesome product, uh, it can certainly work. And there's a whole push with ghost kitchens, especially because of what's going on right now. But, um, uh, one of the original founders of Uber is, um, I forget the name of his company, but um, he's basically building out all these warehouses where there's like, it's full of like a hundred small kitchens and you can rent space in there and be a virtual only uh, ghost kitchen. And the whole building is set up so that, you know, Uber Eats drivers and Grubhub drivers can pull up to the front they can hop out. They see like all the orders from the different brands on, a, on this huge big screen. Um, you know, there's a bathroom there if they need to go to the bathroom, you know, they hang out, you know, if, if the food's not ready yet, they grab it, they go. So there's this whole kind of um, new model uh, coming out around delivery services. And um, we're sort of taking advantage of that, but also, you know, we'll have, we'll have a takeout kind of, walk up and order type option as well, uh, which we think is kind of the best of both worlds. Is that something that exists now? Like a warehouse where there's hundreds of, or is oh, it yeah. work, working on it? Oh, it yeah. exists. There, yeah. Yeah. There's some, um, they started in San Francisco, I believe. Um, yeah. That makes and there's a lot of all kinds of, and, and there's a lot of brands that'll do it. You know, if, if pizza hut or whatever, you know, wants to, you know, have a, have an, you know, they want to expand their reach in certain areas. They have, you know, storefronts in certain areas of the city, but they can't deliver to a certain area. Maybe they'll, they'll, 
you know, do a ghost kitchen or a commissary kitchen in an area that allows them to deliver, you know, in those areas. Um, so a lot of big brands use them, but then also a lot of startups use them that, you know, don't have enough capital to build out their own space or, you know, they just view it as a smart model right now. Um, right yeah, now, they're building, certainly. Yeah. They're building them in Boston. They are close to opening in Providence, but uh, there's a number of, they're not the only company doing it. Um, there's definitely other players. Yeah. That's cool. So if I was to be sitting in Boston right now and I jump on, you know, Grubhub or Seamless or whatever, I can order Plant Pub? Not yet. Not yet? No, not yet. Probably our, our goal is by the end of the year. Okay. Yep. Yep. Cool. And you can, yeah, we won't be able to initially probably reach all of um, Boston, but pretty close. Yeah. Nice. That's yep. awesome. We might have to get a flight out and, and try it out, man. <laughs> yeah. I'll throw, uh, I'll throw, uh, throw it in a box with some, with some, you know, dry ice and, uh, you know, <laughs> send it out your way. <laughs> see if we can overnight it. Uh, that'd be hilarious. No, we'll, we'll save it. We'll save it. That, um, well, it's exciting. It's, it's great to hear that. Yeah. It's, it's underway. It's, it's coming. It's, uh, it's really cool. And yeah, I mean, I'm excited for you. I think seeing like the work you've put in to, to get it this far. And I love the rebranding plant pub looks great. And I can see it. Yeah. I can see it getting well and truly out of Boston and, and, uh, your vision of a hundred plus, I think is, is going to happen I, I think it's going to take off and with more people looking to plant-based you know there's no better no better transition uh, than a pub you know you don't you don't lose anything you don't miss anything and the experience is really exactly what you're looking for but as you said it's it's just a little bit more mindful of the current world situation and hopefully a little bit better for the health i would i would imagine no cholesterol is certainly a win uh, for the health. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm a, I was just before we got on there, I, I was writing a, a little piece about plant-based meat. Um, I don't know if you saw, like they actually have a study now um, that they did, that they gave people plant-based meat um, to replace, you know, regular meat, um, you know, and it's, it is definitely better, you know, it's not a banana. It's not no. kale, <laughs> you know? And people need to understand that, you know, you, you don't want to eat it three meals a day, but it is better than the alternative. I think like that's pretty clear. Yeah. Let's, let's not confuse that. I think, I think a lot of people, <laughs> there's a lot of people out there that want to say, Oh, but it's, you know, it's, it's not healthy. It's like, guys, it isn't a bunch of kale. Like, it doesn't, yeah. res it doesn't resemble kale. It's not trying to mimic kale. Why are we trying it's to, not, why are we trying to put it? It's not a smoothie. Exactly. Yeah. Why are we trying to put it in that category? It's, uh, yeah, it's better for your health, better for the environment, better for the animals, but it isn't a health product. Let's, yes. Let's, let's put it that way. Well, mate, that's exciting. I'm, um, I'm stoked for you. And where can people find you know, all things plant pub, because I'm sure you, you're building it up and I've seen some, some get togethers with the chef and the dude, the food looks phenomenal. So where, where can people find you? Yeah, it's, it's at plant pub everywhere, plantpub.com um, and at plant pub on social media. And um, yeah, yeah, we should be in the next few months um, starting to serve some food. Dope. And then while this is all going on, I follow you on Strava. So <laughs> I, I know what you guys are up to, you and Courtney. And you, you signed up for a pretty big event back last year. I'll let you do the talking on that. But you've signed up for it. And then again, things haven't, haven't exactly gone to plan. That sounds like that's the hashtag of 2020. 
and yeah, let's, let's hear about it. What did you sign up for and what are you still training for? Yeah. So in January or February, sometime at the beginning of the year, um, I signed up for Ironman Mount Tremblant, um, in Quebec, Canada. And yeah, it was just something, you know, it's always been in the back of my mind, like, there's something very appealing to me about kind of the Ironman thing and completing an Ironman. And, um, you know, I, I've had some people on the, on the show that, um, you know, have done them and competed in them. Um, and actually, uh, I had, um, this guy, Dan Goldman on, um, right before I decided to sign up and, you know, we got together and, uh, before the podcast, we went out for a run and he's in like his fifties and just like ridiculous shape. He, he's like, qualified for like the world championships for his age and stuff like he, he's an animal but um you know I just it just got me thinking I was like you know I think if he can do it I can do it type thing um and also um you know it's been something I've wanted to do but I've just been so scared of the swim in particular um like I just don't swim and ha- haven't swam since I'm like you know swim lessons at 10 years old or whatever so that, that has always been a big fear of mine. And, um, you know, I think for me, like when I fear something, I, I, I know I should probably do it. Um, it's kind of like that, that beacon. It's like, well, why are you scared of it? You know, there on the other side of that is something positive. Um, so yeah, after that podcast and then, um, you know, just in general wanting to have, have done when I signed up, and, um, I had about six months, I had, I gave myself six months to train and, you know, I, I was a very casual road biker. Uh, I was getting into some longer running type stuff, um, getting into some longer trail trail races and things like that. So I was confident on those sides, but still the swim was just like to swim two miles. Like, are you kidding me? Um, like, <laughs> you know. but anyway, uh, yeah, things obviously changed in whenever it did. And, you know, I think May or June, they finally canceled it. It was supposed to be at the end of August. Um, and then briefly, I switched. They gave me the opportunity to switch to one that wasn't canceled. And I switched to Lake Placid in New York. Um, but then that got canceled. But, you know, up until, I don't know, end of July, I was on, on track to, I was, I was at least training, like I need to, I'm about to show up to an Ironman, you know, in a month. So I I was kind of on track, but definitely not, uh, you know, I've been humbled by the training a lot. Um, you know, the, the bike in particular has been humbling, you know, guys that just make me look like I'm standing still, um, on the bike. Um, so that's been humbling, you know, the run is definitely my, my strong point and definitely have improved my running and definitely improved like my, my efficiency. Um, it's amazing. Like when I started how high my heart rate would be on certain workouts and now I can go out for, you know, 10, 12, 13 mile runs. And it's, it doesn't even feel like I really did anything just because I'm keeping my heart rate at a very low, you know, and that's kind of the goal of like, uh, triathlon and long distance triathlon is, is being efficient and trying to, you know, uh, cover ground in, in the most efficient way possible. And, um, and on the swimming front, I've come light years, you know, I I can go out and swim for 45 minutes or so comfortably. Um, not very fast or anything, but I survive, um, you know, but, for for the full distance Ironman, I'd probably at my pace be swimming for hour and 20 minutes. So I'm not even quite there, you know, so it's just been humbling. And, and I definitely took a big chunk out of something I wasn't sure I could do. Um, and I'm just kind of on to next year now. I considered doing like a virtual one. Um, but yeah, I kind of like... I feel like I had some extra time, haven't been traveling, haven't been doing in-person podcasts and things like that. And just wanted a new challenge. And if things get busy with plant pub come 
the next few months and I never get around to doing it next year, it is what it is. But, you know, I at least took this year to learn something new um, and push myself a little bit. And it's, it, it's been fun. That's awesome, dude. No, when you, when you said you'd signed up, I think I just signed up for a marathon and I was like, holy shit, that blows a marathon uh, right out of the water. That's impressive. And yeah, it's a shame. I hope you get it done, man. I hope you're able to experience the, you know, the race day vibes, you know, pulling up to a race early in the morning, being your first full distance Ironman, just that whole experience would be yeah, I think like very, think, very, very cool. Like I have an entry into next year's in Mount Tremblant. Like I think realistically I'm showing up regardless. If I am not in the shape I want to be in, it might be a long day. It's going to be a long day regardless, but <laughs> it could be a much longer day. Um, but, you know, I think, I think I'll show up and I'll spend the day and, and have some fun and, you know, try to finish it regardless. I think um, if, you, if you're able to carve out time consistently for the swim mm. over the next 10 months, at least you won't lose that. Because yeah. I remember like, it's so funny. I, you know, there are athletes out there that, as you said, like on the bike, something that you're probably pretty good at, but there are obviously people out there that are much better than you at it that make you feel like you're, you know, in the middle of some concrete blocks and you're not moving, but the swim is daunting if you haven't swum in open water before. And I've done very small triathlons. I don't know if I've told you this story, but I've done, <laughs> I've done small triathlons when I was probably 16, 17, years old and the two people i went with were both state swimmers so this girl and guy amazing swimmers for their age group and i probably hadn't swum since i was you know 10 years old much the same as you mm -hmm. doing swimming lessons and i wasn't bad when i was 10 years old so for some reason i had this thought in my mind i'll be fine and it's early morning on St Kilda beach, which is in, in Melbourne. And they're doing this sprint triathlon. I think it's only a 400 meter swim and I get in the water and you know, there's people kicking your face and it's intense, but the water was also very cold. I literally hadn't trained. I hadn't gone in the ocean to swim and it was so cold that like my, my chest seized up and I ended up doing breaststroke because <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I just had to get my breath back and I ran out like my friends, literally first two out of the water, one and two out of the water. All the parents are waiting at the gate for people to get out of the water. And these like young kids start running out. My parents are thinking, where's Matt? And I was running out with like 12 year olds. <laughs> out of the water so yeah the yes it's the, humbling the thing, it's humbling it is humbling and the thing kind of like the the thing with the longer distances which i think i guess gives me an advantage given my skill set you know this the swim when you put it in perspective right is an hour and a half for me like an hour and a half i would guess of like a 14 hour day you know, so it's like, it's a very small piece. So if I lose, you know, if I'm 40, 40 minutes behind the best swimmer after the swim, you know, like, and I'm decent on the bike and I'm decent on the run, um, you know, I'm not that far behind. Whereas if you're bad on the bike or you're bad on the run, like you can lose, you know, on the bike, you can lose hour and a half, then you can lose an hour and a half on the run. Like it's more significant chunks of time. Um, so I don't know, but I totally agree. Like from a comfort level for me, like it's all about, I just want to be able to survive the water. And if I can get out of the water, <laughs> like I'll finish, It'll, you know, regardless of the shape of men, like I'll, I'll, I think I can put one foot in front of the other for 
12 hours or whatever it is and hopefully finish. But, um, you know, cross that bridge when I get there. That's kind of what I was thinking, like the, the comfort level. Like if you truly want to go out there and crush it, you'd obviously be doing the type of training you are yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, um, But yeah, it's a long swim. It's a very long swim. So for someone that hasn't traditionally done it, then yeah, I can see it being daunting. I haven't even... God, I, I don't even know what that would feel like. How is a two-mile swim? It's 2.4. 2.4 so let's go through it it's a 2.4 mile swim it's is it 180 miles on the bike 112 on the bike 112 and then, and then a marathon and then yep. a marathon yep and it's 100 and sorry so it's 140 something all up uh yes 140 just about 140 and yeah like the uh, kind of pro you know like professional triathletes i depending on the course um, you know, we'll do like, I think eight or nine hours generally. Um, if you're like, as an amateur, if you break, you know, 10 and a half, 10, like that's very impressive. If you, if you break 11, like my initial goal was to try to break 11. Um, but my, my, uh, coach who's been coaching me, um, who I've had a, on the podcast as well. Um, you know, I've seen his ability and he's like broken 11, like once and he just kicks my ass. So <laughs> a little, a little perspective there. Um, but yeah, I think the average like person that finishes one, um, is between like 12 and a half and 13 hours. Yeah. Super long day. That is, um, that's a tough event. I suppose you want to have hydration and nutrition dialed in for the uh, day. Dude, I think that's been the hardest thing for me. Like, like I, before I started training, like I, I'm a, I'm a don't eat breakfast, um, you know, go out for my run or bike without anything in me around, you know, midday generally. Um, and I love, like, I love the feeling of nothing in my stomach when I work out. I feel like I am just more in control. Um, and you just cannot do that with this because you, like it's, it's just not possible. <laughs> so like forcing yourself to, you know, go out for a bike ride for a few hours and like forcing yourself to eat, um, before and during, um, that that's tough. It just doesn't feel good to me, but it, it's kind of what you have to do to, or else you're going to hit a wall. You're going to start cramping up. You're going to, um, yeah, you're going to bonk big time. Totally. Totally. And you're doing, obviously you're a plant-based person yourself. So, um, it might be a surprise to some, I'm sure the people listening to the show aren't surprised, but what's it like doing it all plant-based? So what, what are you generally putting in your body before you're going out for a big run, a big ride, a big swim? And then during the event, what are you planning to, to eat? And yeah, drink, pretty, I suppose. Yeah, I'm pretty much, um, I'm pretty much bananas and dates um, all day long. Like that's my pre, you know, pre long workout. Um, apples, bananas, dates. During, I'm um, dates and bananas. Um, I have been, I forget the name of the brand, but I have been uh, experimenting with a, uh, some of like the the packets that like a goo would come in that you like squeeze out, but uh, I don't do like any of the goos. This is like a whole food plant-based. It's called spring, uh, spring energy. Um, yeah, they're all like, it's all fruits and vegetables kind of like mixed up into like a little packet. And it's like, you know, 300 calorie kind of shot of uh, fruits and vegetables when you're out there. And I think it's got like rice and oats in it too and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. And then, on the hydration front, um, usually water, if it's super long, I've been putting a little SOS. It's kind of just like an electrolyte brand. Um, I'll put that in my, in my water bottles. Um, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm almost all fruit when I'm, when I'm going, it's what feels best on my system. And yeah, like I can't even imagine like thinking back how, you know, I used to eat 
uh, back in my, you know, football days and things like that. Like, I don't even know how I functioned, you know, like if I woke up and had like eggs before, like, I just can't even like imagine functioning that way. And, um, you know, obviously like, you know, I'm, I'm plant-based because, you know, all the ethical reasons as well, but initially like I'm plant-based because it makes me perform my best without a doubt, you know? Um, and with triathlon, it's like, it's definitely been like, I noticed, like I progressed much more and I, I don't think it's just ability, but I, I progressed much quicker than, you know, somebody else, you know, that is at my level. And I can also, like, I just don't wear out as fast with those types of foods in my body. And, um, yeah, man. So I, like, I really don't know how people do it without being plant-based and like, like the things people are eating, like the, like the goos and like the weird pouches of just like sugar and like oil and like all this weird stuff that people are eating when they're racing and like Starburst and Gatorades and like, it's, it's eye opening. You know, you want, you, you wonder like how they, how they actually compete. But, um, yeah, um, I'm hundred percent whole food plant-based when I, when I'm out there though. No, it's impressive. It's, it's good to hear this kind of information as well. I, I imagine that you want to take care of your salt levels as well. Yeah, that is uh, that's a great point. I actually, I learned that the hard way. Um, I was out for a long ride, like, you know, mid July on like a 90 degree day. A good old, and, good um, old Boston summer day when it's like oh yeah, 80% was, humidity. <laughs> yep. There was no wind. It was just like, you know, the first hour and a half, like I just lost every ounce of fluid in my body. Um, and I was supposed to, I think I had like a three and a half hour ride and at hour two, two and a half, like I just hit the wall. First time I've I, honestly, probably the first time I've ever felt that where I, I couldn't go. Like I, I couldn't, I just couldn't go. It was, it was very strange. Um, and I just depleted everything. And, um, after that, um, my coach there recommended, uh, a little salt for hot days. Um, and, uh, yeah, just bring like some, bring some salt and, you know, put it in your water bottle or have a little, have a little tube of salt on you that you can just kind of, you know, toss on your tongue. Um, because on like super hot days, um, you know, not just the water is going to do it. Uh, you, yeah, you do need to kind of keep your salt levels up. So learn that one the hard way, but something I'm, I'm very aware of now. Yeah, it's not something I'd really taken into account until I started following some ultra uh, athletes. I follow an ultra runner who is he's a plant-based eater as well. I'm hoping to get him on the show. But yeah, for him, a big one is electrolytes and salt and not just water. Um, so I learned that from him and I've been implementing it in my runs. And I don't, like I did a 22-mile run before the 30-miler. And the 22 miler that day, I felt phenomenal. I wish that was the day I did the 30 because <laughs> yeah. it was just one of the, mate, I rocked up. It was early in the morning and I rocked up to the run. I'd taken the dog for the, uh, a quick walk before I left the, the house, the apartment. And I get to the trailhead and I look down and I'm like, oh crap, I'm wearing my road shoes. I'm wearing Nikes. And I'm not wearing socks because I just slipped them on to take the dog for a walk and forgot to put my trail shoes on and socks on. So I ended up running 22 miles in no socks, wrong shoes, and I did it no problems. Like it was a funny morning. It was a funny wow. morning. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it, but came away with no blisters. And I had some uh, hydration. Half of my hydration was water, half of my hydration. I'd squeezed lime juice and salt into it. And I have no idea if that's scientifically a good thing to do. So don't take my word for it. But I had yeah, taken this information in and it 
it seemed to do the job. So I have been eating the goose though. So I know they're not fantastic in terms of what's in them. Yeah. And I, and I they, can't, they sp- work, they work, yeah. but a friend of mine who is also an ultra, uh, an ultra runner recommended me, I think the day before I did the 30 miler, the exact brand that you just said. So I think I'll, I'll seek him out. Also thinking about testing out some of my own in the Vitamix. Anna's been pushing me to do it for a while, but thinking I'm thinking along the lines of peanut butter, sweet potato dates uh, and kind of mushing that up. But yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't, I, I've never used them, so I can't speak to like the ones people use. Um, yeah. I've just always been like turned off by the ingredients. So I didn't even try it, but I'm sure they work because everybody does use them, you know, <laughs> they work. It's just very questionable, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it's great that they put the vegan, you know, they, this is vegan on the product, but, um, it's, yeah, it's gotta be questionable uh, what actual ingredients go into it. So I'll be looking to get away from those and yeah, trying those, whatever it is, spring, something or other spring nutrition or something like that. I think it's spring energy. Yeah. 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 No, I'll be keen to, keen to test those out. I'll let you know what I think, but yes, dude, it's been, it's been good chatting. Um, is there anything else you want to, you want to cover? What are we, what are we expecting? I suppose we, you know, we're, we're thinking end of the year for plant pub. Um, has there been any talk of getting out of Boston or anything like that? Um, I mean, that's definitely our, our long-term plans for sure. I think, uh, we can do a lot of, a lot of damage in Boston first, uh, just because it's really a, again, there's nothing, there's nothing like that here. Um, and actually, unfortunately, um, just last week, uh, True Bistro, um, they just closed, they announced they're not opening back up and, um, you know, there's, that was really the only other place in Boston that you could maybe go for a beer and a meal. Um, so there, there's a lot of work to do here. Um, but definitely, you know, we won't want to be, we want to be everywhere, um, you know, over the next five, 10 years, hopefully. Yeah. That's sad to hear about True Bistro. I've taken parents there, my uncle, um, I thought it was a, it was a really great place to like show off like quality, quality plant-based food. I thought they did a phenomenal job. Uh, and yeah, it's that familiar restaurant kind of vibe where you can have a wine, have a beer. Uh, but the food was amazing. So that's sad to hear that that one's shut. I think a lot of places have felt the pinch with, with the current COVID situation. So, but it is an opportunity for you guys to really take over that space and, and show everyone again uh, what can happen. And I don't know what it is about Boston, but it's very steeped in tradition. And when you're in New England, when you go for takeout or you, you know, you want to get a quick bite to eat, it's often very typical New England food um, or yeah, meat heavy, seafood heavy food. And the only real plant-based options tend to be those grab and go type options. Uh, it's not an actual pub or restaurant uh, cafe type experience. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we're, we're always behind on, on trends here because of that very reason, just kind of traditional stuck in our ways, you know, that's just for whatever reason, that's, that's how Bostonians are. Um, but yeah, we're exactly to what you were saying. We're, we see all that's happening as, as an advantage and, um, you know, our, our hearts and thoughts go out to everybody else in the industry that is, you know, going through struggles and, you know, or had to close or, or any of that. It's, it's horrible to see. Um, but at the same time for us, you know, we think there, there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of opportunity um, to, you know, get our food to people when, um, you know, I think come the winter here, there's going to be a whole nother wave of, of closings because a lot of places are, are really surviving on outdoor dining. And 
when the cold weather comes, there's going to be a whole nother wave. Um, and I, I really think there's going to be probably 50% less food options in general for people to get restaurant and take out food. So, um, you know, just by sheer numbers, I think there's opportunity, but then, you know, on, on the plant-based side, just to be doing what we're doing, um, there's a lot of opportunity. And then next year, you know, there's going to be, I, the, you know, real estate has changed dramatically, you know, the type, types of deals you can get now in the empty spaces. And um, so, you know, I guess that's all we can do is see the positives in it all and, and keep going. So um, yeah, hope to be, hope to be everywhere soon. Yeah. I think, I hope everything aligns for you. It sounds like there could be some yeah, some positive things to take out of negative situations once you do start to move into brick and mortar location. Uh, and hopefully we see, yeah, packed Boston pubs again in the future. And For sure. Ken, Ken Newton Russian touchdowns. I didn't get to catch That's it. What... <laughs> I didn't get to catch, uh, I didn't get to catch yesterday's game, but uh, I kept a close eye on the score. So I was happy to see him win. And, you know, I, I did feel kind of, good about the bucks losing i'm not gonna lie <laughs> i i'm gonna be honest i i will root for brady i don't care where he is you know um i, I am the same i like i want him to do well and i think uh you know he's a phenomenal athlete it's just this week one it was kind of nice to see the uh yeah the bucks go down and the pats win I, I wish it, I wish him well from here on. It would have been nice to see him beat Drew Brees, but you know, not to be week one. But if you've ever learned anything about Tom Brady, it's don't write the guy off in week one. That's a terrible oh, thing absolutely. to do. Yeah, and I, I will say on the Cam Newton front, like I think he is just bringing like a really cool young feel. Um, you know, we've had this veteran for so many years, and. You know, even like in, in what he stands for with, with, with plant-based and all this too is super cool. It's like, I think he can make, you know, vegan so much cooler than a Brady can. And Brady was like, oh, well, he's Tom Brady and he's like kind of skinny old dude. And like, you know, yeah, he eats a plant-based diet most of the time, but like, he's not like the size of a linebacker. And it's like Cam Newton's the size of a linebacker. And it's like, it's just cool. And, and he's, he brings a whole new like appeal to the younger generation that I think Brady couldn't. Um, so, you know, welcome to Boston cam, you know, it's great. I'm all for it. It's really, it's, <laughs> it's really cool to see, um, you know, I, it's funny, isn't it? Another plant-based athlete at quarterback for the Patriots. When would have that happened in NFL history? I don't think it would have dude. And in, and in Boston, it's just like, again, like one of the last places you, you would think, you know, uh, this isn't like the, the LA Rams or, you know, no. San Francisco or something, you know, it's like, clam, I think it was more and, and lobster rolls. Yeah, yeah. I think it was more like, it was more understanding that like Kaepernick was, was plant-based because, oh, well, he's out on the West coast and he plays for San Francisco and that food's around or whatever. You know, but here it's like, uh, yeah, it's funny. It's funny. It's cool. No, I'll keep a close eye on it. I don't think we'll get many Patriots games here in Portland, but I'll find a way. I'll find a way every Sunday to, to, to take a look and see what Cam's up to. But, mate, thank you again. Uh, it's always a pleasure having a chat. Uh, I think these times, yeah, call for more. Yeah, more of these chats, and I think it's 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 super easy doing the zooms. They're not as preferable as a as a face to face, but it's what we've got right now. Grateful for it, and thank you for giving up a couple of hours, mate. Thank you, man, as always. And um, is this so? Is this officially season two of VegTalk? You know, I I think when I when I kind of export from audacity, I think at some point I just decided to switch to season two in the last, in the last batch. Um, so this, I suppose is officially season three. All right. Uh, but you know, 
it's it's not a big deal. It's it's going to be episode number seventy six. So I'm I'm yeah, very stoked to have done seventy uh, plus episodes. Um, it was an unplanned break. It wasn't exactly what I wanted to do, but maybe the break was a a good thing. And to yeah, just I suppose take the time to reflect and see what we're going to do moving forward. But we've got some, some fancy new branding and hopefully I can fine tune my skills and, and keep this thing going. Because as you said, when you've got a strong mission and you want to just have meaningful conversations with, with people that are doing amazing things, showing what's possible, it's, it's great to get it out there to, to the public because we just need more of it. We need more positivity. Uh, we need more, uh, strong characters in the plant-based movement, uh, just just showing it, showing us how it's done. And I think you're one of those people. So it was awesome to have you on. We can't wait to get back to Boston. It's uh, it's on the cards. Uh, so maybe we'll just hang out and, and wait until Plant Pub is up and running before we before we do that. Beautiful man, and, and I'll try to. Uh, in the meantime, I'll try to figure out some overnight delivery. Um, option for you <laughs> yeah you'll have to you'll have to talk to like uh splendid spoon or or one of those uh plant-based delivery services i actually i actually saw there was a uh do you know i think it was lecker burger in new york city never tried they it. just they just announced like nationwide delivery obviously they're not sending like fully made burgers but kind of like kits but interesting anyway the day that they can send a f- a full burger across the country will be an interesting day, but I think a kit definitely sounds like a good idea. <laughs> yeah. All right, Beautiful, mate. man. Thanks again. Thank you so much as always. Keep going, dude. We will chat soon. Thank you, mate. Hey everyone. Thanks again for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show. We often see the highlight reel from successful entrepreneurs these days, and I hope this gave you some insight into the hustle behind the scenes. Pat is someone with unbeatable passion. He holds a strong mission close to his heart and wants people to have the access and opportunity to experience plant-based living. We wish him the best of luck and can't wait to see Plant Pub open up in Boston. You can find him on Instagram at eatgreenmakegreen and for updates on Plant Pub, search for Plant Pub or one word. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today, guys. I'll catch you all next week for another chat.